Ion 2020, episode 13. Thank you for joining me on the Eye on 2020 podcast. My name is Ray Eaton, and I will be your host as we move towards November of 2020. I plan to do all the research on these presidential candidates so you don't have to. So if you like politics, enjoy, because if 2020 is anything like 2016, we are in for a treat. Oh, and did I mention I'm a libertarian through and through? Welcome, everybody. This is Ray Eaton, your host for Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all of the information and news related to the 2020 elections when they come up. I take a look at this from a libertarian perspective, and I appreciate all my listeners. Something real exciting happened today. Actually, it was yesterday. I was looking online, and then I go to Apple Podcasts and I type in I on 2020 and look what popped up but my podcast. And I was so excited. Um, I, I pretty much did a happy dance at that point because that is when I think it's around when you hit about 10 or so podcasts. A lot of times Apple Podcasts will pick you up. And that is pretty much the prime time right there because once you hit, uh, once you get picked up by Apple Podcasts, that is, I believe they say that's where about 70-80% of podcast listening is from, is from Apple Podcasts. I know I've always listened to podcasts like the Tom Woods Show, Jason Stapleton, Lions of Liberty, and uh, a lot of the other you know, libertarian podcasts, as well as several other podcasts that are not specifically libertarian, uh, like Planet Money and uh, what is it, the um, Freakonomics podcast. And there's multiple ones that I listen to driving around all day as a salesperson uh, in between sales calls, in between talking with customers and so forth. That's what I do is I drive between from one place to the next and listen to podcasts. So I've always listened on Apple Podcasts. It's very easy. It's very simple. It's probably the easiest way to listen to podcasts from what I've found, but I've really never experimented with anything else. But uh, just a really exciting thing to be picked up by Apple Podcasts. I was real excited, and uh, I hope anyone that's listening, if you are listening to Apple Podcasts, if you do like what you hear, if you like what you're you know, listening to, if your ears are sparked by my message, I certainly hope that you will uh, get on there and rate me, review me, uh, give me five stars if you can. That would be phenomenal. I'd appreciate that. Uh, if you give me four stars, one star, or whatever, I mean, I guess I'll, I guess I'll have to accept what you do because I'll take that criticism the best that I can, of course. Because obviously, I want to bring you the best podcast that I can. I really enjoy what I'm doing right now. It's really exciting. I feel like you know, incrementally, things are getting a little bit better every single day. My message is getting clearer. My preparation is getting better, and I'm excited. I, I think it's. Um, I, I think I'm well on the way to a pretty good. Uh, show going for you for twenty for the 2020 elections because that's what I'm focusing this podcast on is taking a libertarian view of the 2020 elections. The reason why I came up with I on 2020 is just because 2020 vision, you know, that to me that was pretty interesting and I was going to just call it I on 2020 with the letter I. So you re- referring me, referring to me and also taking kind of a play on uh Anne Rand, and when uh, it was discovered, in Ant- what is it, 
that one book, Anta. Uh, I can't remember the name of that book, but uh, when the main character discovers the word I, because everyone called themselves we and they, and no one referred to themselves as the first person, and then they discovered the word I, and uh, I was going to use that kind of as a reference to that. I'm not, I, I, I like Ant, I like Ayn Rand, sorry, everyone pronounces it Ayn Rand, uh, so I guess that's how they say it. I like Ayn Rand. She was uh, she wrote some good books, and she was kind of an introduction to me into the libertarian-ish kind of movement because I know she was not. I guess she didn't really call herself a libertarian when she was alive, but that was something that you know she was kind of an introduction to me into the libertarian movement. I was kind of a you know easygoing libertarian way back when in 1999. I was taking a college course. Uh, I was actually I was in college and I was taking a, a couple of classes that kind of meshed perfectly for me to find libertarianism. Um, so way back when I was taking an ethics class and I was taking a uh, an economics class and I was also taking like a, an interdisciplinary studies course, which was actually like a two year program for the honors program that I was in, and they were talking. A lot about different issues as well with regards to politics during a certain time. So it was it was actually three different classes that I was taking at the time, and the first class uh, was the economics class. And obviously, when you're talking economics, you have multiple ways you can go. But I was lucky because I had a professor named Jack Chambliss, and he um, was a libertarian professor that was a free market guy totally and I think I was blessed in that way and not to say blessed sorry I was lucky in that way because this guy literally he he couldn't find a textbook that he wanted to use this was back in 1999 uh, there wasn't a lot of libertarians out there I think the only libertarian that anyone ever heard of was Ron Paul uh, from like a mainstream type thing I guess he was the only libertarian leaning uh, Republican in Congress. And <clears throat> at the time, I mean, there I, there might not a lot been a lot of information out there, especially, I mean, the internet was relatively new at the time. You're not going to have a lot of uh, finding information on the internet about libertarianism, possibly. And I, I know the Mises Institute is out there, but, you know, nowadays it seems like all that information is so easy to find. There's lots of voices out there for the libertarian movement and even the the further into libertarian type people like the anarcho-capitalist movement. Uh, there's lots and lots of information out there so you know that we can find. But in 1999, there was not a lot of information. But Jack Chambliss, he wrote his own economics books. He wrote the macro and the microeconomics books. And this guy taught from a libertarian perspective. He even used like those John Stossel videos that you probably saw uh where I think it was like Liberty in the Classroom or Stossel in the Classroom that John Stossel produced, and it talked a lot about free free market economics and the government getting in the way of things. I mean, it was it was really exciting to uh, sit in that classroom and just hear completely different points of view from what you would ever hear uh, growing up. My parents, they were not really. I mean, my father was always the one he'd say something to the effect of. Republicans are for business and Democrats are for the people. So you got to vote Democrat or you got to vote Republican because, you know, businesses need he would vote according to however he felt. That's what I think he did anyway. I mean, I wasn't really in tune to his voting when I was younger. And then my mother, 
she just kind of you know held her finger up licked her finger held her finger up whichever the way the, which whether whichever way the wind was blowing is the way that she would vote as well so they weren't really politically in tune i don't think as a i don't think they were as a kid but i didn't hear a lot about politics growing up but then you know when you're younger you start watching fox news you start watching cnn you start watching different things and i was attracted to um Fox News at the time, and I'm listening to them, and you know, you're watching Hannity and Combs way back in those days, and you're taking one side or the other. Well, I always kind of took the Hannity side, so I think I was kind of leaning like towards Republican back then. But I mean, this is 1999, like I said, there's not a lot of information out there for, for libertarians to find information. But I, I happen to be in this guy, Jack Chambliss's class, and he wrote his own textbook from a libertarian perspective, and he really drilled in us the real economics, right? Real free market economics. Uh, he he took a more of a Chicago school approach than a Austrian school approach, but I think it was kind of in the middle between the two. Because a lot of times when I'm thinking Austrian economics and I'm thinking business cycle theory and so forth, I feel like I remember him talking about that, but those aren't things that I ever heard about. Um, I remember when I was during this time as well. So this is 1999, 2000, first couple of years in college. And I just remember listen, listening to this guy talk and, and it just, it all seemed to click. It all seemed to come together that that was the way that economics was. So, and he was libertarian. So it kind of sparked my interest in libertarianism as well. And what is it? He kind of, he always talked about Ron Paul being the only congressman and, but in, yeah, only, the only congressman in, out there that was a libertarian, but he wasn't a real friendly guy. He wasn't one to you know talk to the students or anything like that, but he was very much leaning towards libertarian um, points of view whenever he gave any type of lecture, which I thought was exciting. <clears throat> so, oh, I also remember way back then, I remember picking up a book called Anatomy of the State, and um, I never read it. That's so sad, because I remember when I, about maybe four or five years ago, when I first started uh, really getting more focused in on learning more about liberty, freedom, um, and the Austrian you know, Austrian school of economics when I really started digging deeper into, into it because I started to realize how, not how important it is per se, but just the ideas that are being espoused within that movement. Um, I remember looking at the anatomy of the state book and I saw the cover and it has the person on that cover that, you know, has the veins through it and so forth. And, uh, I remember seeing that cover and I was like, wow, I remember seeing that cover a long, long time ago when I first got introduced to libertarianism, but I never went any further than that. I was always searching for more because um, you had the Ayn Rand books that you would read, uh, Atlas Shrugged, I read The Fountainhead, uh, I read a lot of her, you know, just her essays. I was just trying to find more information Then I found, uh, what was that, the... Um, there was that website that was out there. I forget what it was called, but there was one website out there that had the world's smallest political quiz. So I kind of followed them a little bit. I think it was called the liberate liberator.org or something. 
Um, maybe they put out the Liberator magazine, which is a not a, it's not necessarily a libertarian magazine, but it, I think it was a, like a libertarian leaning magazine, um, more towards the Ayn Rand or the Ayn Rand type uh, groups of people as well, uh, more leaning towards them, I think, but I'm not sure. I, oh, I had heard of Harry Brown as well, so I maybe read a few of his thing, you know, few books of his and stuff, but I. You know, I wasn't really all that curious to go much further into it. And the reason why is because, you know, I had to, you have a job, you have to work, you don't, you know, have a family, so you're spending evenings out, you know, doing things and drinking and doing whatever. You know, that's just the way it is when you're, when you're younger and in college. So, but I was intellectually curious to the point that I embraced libertarianism and I'd always taken a libertarian point of view from then on out. 9-11 happened, um, I supported I don't know if I necessarily supported it, but I didn't critique the war effort. It was until about, I think, 2008, 2009 or so, um, following Ron Paul and so forth, that I, you know, kind of started taking a really critical look towards the, uh, towards the foreign intervention. And, and I, I just, you know, I learned and learned and learned more and more and more. And then finally I was introduced to, uh, you know, listening to some podcasts and stuff way back, you know, about five, maybe five, six years ago. So I started, I started listening to podcasts and, um, that's what kind of led me towards getting more involved in the libertarian movement from an extreme libertarian movement on the anarcho-capitalist side of it. And I hate the word anarcho-capitalist is something that's a very, um, very much like lingo that only anarcho-capitalists would use and only anarcho-capitalists would understand. So I, I hate using that term because it's more of a the libertarian perspective that says that, you know, we need minimal government. Well, anarcho-capitalists just say we need no government uh, necessarily. And that's something that, that's an ideal that we should be moving towards is self-government, self-governance. Uh, among the people that self-govern themselves. And if you want to form, you know, groups of people that are going to work a certain area, that's fine. Uh, but that's what the, that's the anarcho-capitalist view. That's more leaning towards that. And uh, I, you know, I've always, I've gotten to the point where I do agree with those, those specific points as well. And that was probably about five years ago or so. Uh, started listening to Tom Woods, I think from, very beginning of those episodes he was in the hundreds when i started listening to that guy um and you know he puts out the flagship show within the libertarian movement i think and uh and obviously i thank him for it because he has taught me quite a bit as well um but anyway i am now on my main point on this whole agenda right here is that i am on apple podcasts and uh, i am excited about that I really am. This is the Eye on 2020 podcast, and we're keeping our eye on 2020 for you. That's what I'm going to be doing for the next two years. And something that I wanted to bring up today, the thing I wanted to bring up today was the Libertarian candidates for president for 2020. Now, there's only been a few that have specifically said that they are running for president. There's only... It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven people have said that they're going to be running for president as they, they've already declared. So let me go through that list really fast. You have Adam Kokesh. He's an anti-war political activist. And this guy's great. I mean, he is, uh, he's a, 
I think he's a former Marine. He's a really solid speaker for the anti-war movement as well. Um, But he announced plans to run for president in 2020 on the platform of an orderly dissolution of the federal government. So his, his plan is to slowly just an orderly orderly dissolve that gov- the federal government and that's what he's going to be running on um, but I've heard this guy speak and he has a lot of good views he's a solid libertarian from the you know the anarchist perspective which is which is good he's going to be a good solid voice and also he's a great speaker very confident when he speaks as well so I've heard him talk now what it really comes down to though is when he's on that debate stage, when he's talking with other people, is he going to be able to rally the troops to get behind him? And I'll get more into that in a few minutes because when it really comes down to it, the person that gets the platform has a very easy time doing it if they know what they're doing. So uh, I'll get into that more because there's an article that I wanted to bring into this podcast as well. So we got Zoltan Istvan, Istvan, and he's an American transhumanist, journalist, entrepreneur, and libertarian futurist. I've heard him speak before. Has a really weird name, but hey, you know, that's 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 fine. You know, that Zoltan Eastvan. I mean, he sounds like he could be like on a um on a on another planet with a name like that. But that's cool. I mean, I've heard him speak before as well, and he's pretty good on that transhumanist thing. I think what if I remember correctly hearing him talk he was interested in the ideas of like um, putting me- mechanics and you know different things within the human body and, and stuff like that. I mean, I think that's what I've heard him talk about before because he's been on a few of the podcasts I listen to. But I don't know too much about the guy. We got Arvin Vora. He's Vora. Arvin Vora. He's an American politician, author, educator, and former vice chairman of the Libertarian National Command- Committee. Vora ran for the Maryland House of Delegates once and for U.S. House twice as a libertarian. He was a candidate for the U.S. Senate in the 2018 election in Maryland. He lost to Ben Cardin and won 1% of the vote. For a libertarian, that's pretty solid, to be honest with you, especially in a state race when you don't have a lot of funding. Uh, you're basically trying to get people to vote for you you know, with a few commercials and so forth that are run across the state. We got Kim Ruffin, a Libertarian Party activist. She established the Niagara County Libertarian Party in 2015, following a previously proposed Western New York chapter. We got Ben Letter, uh, Libertarian. He's just a Libertarian Party activist. There's not much more about him on this article. And then we have Sandra Salas. She was a Libertarian candidate for the Pennsylvania 7th Congressional District in the U.S. House. Salas ran in a special election in November 2018. And then there's Daniel Behrman, Bayer, sorry, was a 2014 Libertarian candidate for District 125 of the House of Representatives, and that's in Texas. So those are our declared candidates right now. Doesn't look like anyone's ever held public office or anything. Um, the one that I've most that I'm most familiar with is Adam Kokesh because I've heard him on multiple podcasts before listening to these guys. Uh, now let's get into the speculated candidates. We got Larry Sharp. Uh, if you've ever, if you follow libertarian politics, you've probably heard of Larry Sharp. He ran for governor of New York. Uh, he did get a quite a few votes. Like I think he got one or two percent of the votes in New York, which is pretty pretty damn solid if you ask me. And uh, 
he's also a businessman and he's a business consultant. He's an entrepreneur. Uh, he's a political activist. So I think he was libertarian. Yeah, it says right here. He was the libertarian party nominee, nominee, or excuse me, he was a candidate for the libertarian nomination for the vice president of the United States in 2016. Okay, so people are speculating Justin Amash might run for U.S. representative of or he's a U.S. representative of Michigan right now, uh, 2011 to present, and he's a speculated libertarian candidate. You got Tom Campbell, former U.S. representative, 1995 to 2001, the Republican nominee for United States primary election in California, 2000. So. Tom Campbell, I've never heard of that guy. Jeffrey Myron, an American economist and former chairman of the Department of Economics at Boston University. Mary Ruer, who I love her, she she wrote the uh, wrote the book um, Healing Our World, and she's a libertarian candidate for president in 1984 and in 2008. Uh, candidate for vice president in 1992. The woman can speak, she can talk, she knows she knows the um, the issues inside and out absolutely phenomenal and um she is an advocate for the non-aggression principle and says that only candidates that agree with the non-aggression principle should be running on the libertarian ticket because that is something that is almost the most important or i would say damn close to the most important thing that libertarians stand for is non-aggression nicholas sarwick sarwick uh the fighter with Tom Woods. That's all I know him as, but he is the uh, attorney and chair of the National Libertarian National Committee. Um, yeah, I, the the dude's pretty solid um, when it comes to knowing the libertarian, uh, the being or knowing libertarian, the libertarian party. And when I say that, I don't defend him for fighting about fight all the infighting and things that he kind of caused back in 2016, 2017, and 2018. Um, but I've heard that he is really good, really good as the head of the Libertarian Party. And when I say that, I'm not speaking with any inside knowledge. So <laughs> just, uh, yeah. I'm not speaking with any inside knowledge. I've just heard that before. Peter Schiff, American stockbroker, financial commentator, and radio personality. He does have a podcast out there. Um, if he got elected, he would probably just um, burn every dollar in existence because he does not like the dollar. He doesn't like the Federal Reserve. And he's a perma bear. So uh, I've, never, I've never heard him speak positively of the of the economy even when it's going up and up and up and up and up he's always saying it's going to come down and down and down and ultimately it does because we all know business cycles but i think he's profiteering off of that sometimes um but yeah i mean he he's a he he he's good on the issues uh, some of those issues and uh but yeah he is a perma bear we all know that and if you don't know it um you might just be in denial and i might get lots and lots of people that uh that love Peter Schiff that comment on my page, which that's fine. Um, anything to get the comments, guys. Joe Walsh, U.S. Representative from Illinois, and that's in 2011-2013. Never heard of the guy. And our favorite, our major favorite, Bill Weld. He was the Republican governor of Massachusetts from 1991 to 1997 and our 2016 Libertarian nominee for President of the United States, you either love him or hate him. The dude is able to um, garner some votes, though. Even though he 
loved him some Hillary in 2016 when he was running for the Libertarian uh, presidency with with, uh, Gary Johnson. But you love him or hate him, whatever. Um, He's about as middle-of-the-road Libertarian as you can get. He's the kind of guy that says that we are um, fiscally conservative and socially liberal, so you'll like us even the libertarian or even the uh the democrats like us and the republicans like us so you might as well just come into the middle and vote for us that's his uh that's his spiel love him or hate him um they can garner votes because let's be honest people love middle of the road kind of people that's how how that's how uh the general public is if you want someone that's gonna fight and speak to the people though who would be the guy? And that would be a Ron Paul. He's going to be straight up with you. He's going to tell you how it is unapologetically. And I have a report here that says something, um, or one article right here. It's the independentpoliticalreport.com. And it just says Ron Paul, a popular libertarian candidate for 2020, is very possible. Um, getting into this, I don't think that he uh, he will run. I really don't. It starts off, the former 1988 Libertarian nominee, 2008 and 2012 Republican candidate for president, says Trump is just a temporary setback for the Libertarian movement, distrust in American foreign and monetary policies, unrelieved by the election of Donald Trump, is going to be a big opening for Libertarians in 2020, former Texas Republican Congressman Ron Paul told the Washington Examiner. Trump was able to co-opt much of the messaging and establishment that has maintain a bipartisan consensus on the issues without offering much substance to voters committed to the values of freedom um so anyway getting into it he says that there is an opening for libertarians i don't think that it i don't think that he left an opening to run and i i think that he's happy where he's at man um he's a great speaker for the movement he's a great um he's a great guy overall he really is i just don't see him you know, running as a libertarian. And if he did, everyone would get excited about it. I think that he would get the nomination for the presidency uh, on the libertarian side. He'd probably get quite a few votes. He has a lot of excitement behind him. Um, I remember going into the South, one of the South Carolina um, meetings that they had for Rand Paul. And uh, Rand Paul wasn't there. It was just like an organization meeting. And there was, I don't know, maybe like five or six people there. And the same guy that ran or helped run the South Carolina campaign in 2012 was there and he had opened up his uh, real estate office to go ahead and um, let people make phone calls. He says to me, yeah, back in 2012, we had hundreds of people here making dials around the state trying to get out the vote. Hundreds of people, he says, it was just absolutely insane. And we had five people show up to this meeting for Rand Paul. So that's the difference. That is the difference between, you know, a person that's going to speak his mind, say it how it is, tell the truth, or the person that's going to try to toe the party line. That's the difference. And Ron Paul will do nothing but tell the truth. He always has, and he always he always will to his, to his, to his last breath. Um, so... I just don't see in the article that I'm reading here that Ron Paul's going to run, but he's a he's someone that we could speculate about, right? Um, and we could dream about that guy. Okay, so I have another one that says right here, and this, this is what I wanted to get at earlier. Um, 
It says, uh, Reasons Mount Welsh. So this is from IVN.us, and it says Libertarian Party presidential ticket shortlist. And this is just an article that someone wrote, um, but he makes a very good quote right in the beginning. And this is what I wanted to say. Ever since, this is Matt Welsh from Reason says, Ever since election night of 2016, it has been clear that the Libertarian Party, through all its fits and starts over the decades, has managed to create a uniquely attractive prize. Ballot access in all 50 states for a presidential candidate at a time of unusual major party upheaval and discontent. All this for the low, low price of wooing fewer than 1,000 delegates at the 2020 National Convention. That's the prize, guys. That's the prize. 1,000 delegates is all you got to do. You got to get those people to vote for you. You got to woo those people. 1,000 people, that's it. You got the crazy guy that likes to pull his pants off during uh, during the convention. You got the lady with the pink hair. You got the guy that wears what is the clear suit with thongs underneath. You got all the crazy people within the Libertarian Party, right? We got them. That's true. We always will. No big deal. But there's also a thousand, you know, a thousand people. And you have the Mises Caucus of the Libertarian Party now. I heard that they made a huge showing at the 2018 convention. Didn't get enough to get, you know, the get the Nicholas Sarwak out, that's fine, but I but I mean, you're building upon one thing, I think they got started like three months before the convention, there's a lot of people that follow the, the Mises Caucus now, there's a lot of people that are looking to get more involved in politics, the libertarian side of politics, I'll say, because of the Mises Caucus, so I mean, in the Mises Caucus, that comes from the, that that's the, that's the Austrian economics group, the wing, essentially, the people that are for, you know, minimal, minimal, minimal government. Um, that's them. So you have a strong movement towards that. So if you, they could get two or 300 people out there, then you could probably get your candidate, that particular candidate, through the first part of the voting. Because I think that they, you know, it's just not whoever gets the most. It's I think they do a runoff at that point as well. So if you can get two or 300 people to the convention, I mean, they could probably, the, the Mises caucus can probably make a little bit of impact on this and determine who's going to become the likely nominee. Now, this guy in this article, though, so I'm going to get off of the whole, all you got to do is get the thousand delegates thing because I don't, I, I explained that enough. This guy says Mitt, Mitt Romney might run. Now, that's insane. Mitt Romney's not going to run as a as a libertarian. That's insane. But the thing is, is you have the Libertarian Party now has ballot access on all fifty states, and there's value to that. So you're gonna see more of these middle of the road people come in. You know, like um, you know, like Bill Weld. So you're, or even a Mitt Romney, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I just can't see how this guy can call himself a libertarian because he's not. Bill Weld has libertarian-ish views, so maybe we can go there. And uh, Gary Johnson's always been solid-ish on these, on a lot of libertarian issues. He's like probably the worst communicator of the message that you can have. 
but apparently libertarians sometimes don't care about the the communication of the message as much as just getting some votes that's how it was in 2016 and i've seen that issue creep up in the past as well but you know let's get a communicator like tom woods into it who knows but i'd hate to uh, that guy's not that guy wouldn't do it either i mean he became a libertarian a couple months ago i think at the pushing at the prodding of the the mises uh caucus people and a few other you know libertarian talk show hosts or podcast hosts decided to go ahead and uh jump in as well or jump in the libertarian party as well but um anyway if you want a great communicator there there's plenty of great communicators out there that mary ruert man she would be a great communicator for the message as well i just don't know that she has the she she doesn't have she doesn't have the popular She's not as pot, like she's not as well known as a Bill Weld is. Uh, Bill Weld, if he talked to the message, he would he would be fine. But I just he no, he's not fine. I I can't say that with a with a straight face, because um, I don't think that he would. A lot of libertarians would get behind him. A lot of non-libertarians would get behind him probably. But a lot of the. Um, the Mises type, the Mises uh, caucus type libertarians would have a very hard time getting behind him. So you're not going to get the real excitement about a Bill Weld as you would with a, uh, with, you know, a lot of these other candidates, especially like a Ron Paul. Are you really going to have as much excitement about Bill Weld or uh, Gary Johnson as we would against Ron or with Ron Paul running or somebody that, you know, really spoke to the issues and stayed on point? Uh, clearly talked about these issues as well. Somebody, you know, we have plenty of those people out there. You hear them on podcasts, but those those people don't have the name recognition. But is there somebody out there that has the name recognition nationally that would be a good speaker for the cause? I think what the libertarians need more than a popular face is somebody to deliver the message in a non-confrontational, a non, uh, or a, in a clear, concise way, unapologetic. That's what we need. Ron Paul, sometimes people, keep, people thought he came off as a crazy man up there on that stage, which, you know, if you don't understand a lot of the issues that could be perceived, I remember my, what my wife's, my wife, not really a libertarian in her views uh, completely, and I remember in 2008, we were watching the, you know, the debates, and he did. He came off, um, he, he, in her mind, he came off as kind of like a total off-topic kind of guy. But when you watch these debates, he is making clear libertarian points. He's making clear anti-war points. And when you look at him in hindsight, especially me, because I was a flaky libertarian back then, when I look at it in hindsight, um, I really, <laughs> I really enjoy watching those videos of him going against Rudy Giuliani and all these things that he said. I mean, the guy gets one or two minutes of speaking time at these debates, and he is just blowing it out of the water. And can we get somebody like that up there on that stage as a third-party candidate? I doubt it. 
but wouldn't it be nice, right? Wouldn't it be nice? And that person has to be pulling at a certain level. I know Gary Johnson's putting together a lawsuit to try to get a third party on that stage and make it easier because they've made that hurdle so high. But, you know, I just don't see that happening. But the main thing is, is libertarians do have ballot access in all 50 states, and that is a prize that's going to be focused on. So I think what we're going to need to do, libertarians are going to have to get out there and really fight to get a really good candidate so we don't get that flaky person up. That So we don't get that flaky person up there that is just, uh, well, we're socially liberal and uh, and fiscally conservative, so, you know, let's go ahead and uh, vote for me because, you know, all you got to do is come to the middle because that's right where we're at because that's not libertarianism. Tom Woods had probably the best speech I ever heard about this issue back in 2016 when he was talking at the Libertarian Convention that we're not just middle-of-the-road people. We have a message, and a message that says aggression is wrong, even if it's the government that's aggressing on the people. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, and we don't need to be preaching a message of the middle of the road because when you preach a message of non-aggression, that that wins. It wins with the American people, and it will. You just have to have the right person out there talking about it. So anyway, to wrap up, this 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 podcast is going a little longer than I expected. Uh, but this is the I on twenty. This is yeah the I on twenty twenty podcast. Um, keeping your eye on twenty twenty. My name is Ray Eaton, and uh, please, 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 please. I'm on Apple Podcasts now. If you can like this podcast, you know, rate it, subscribe to it, leave me some messages, you know, um, on any wherever you're listening, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Uh, SoundCloud, wherever, just go ahead and leave me some reviews. I, I really, you know, would love to see good reviews on there. And you know, if you got some critiques, leave them too. But um, I appreciate you listening to it. This is I on 2020, keeping your eye focused on 2020.